Welcome, everybody, to Bridge Builders Communities Church Sermon Podcast. You are listening to one of our messages from our weekly gathering. We hope that you sit back and enjoy and be blessed. God bless this church for being here. Please take good care of your pastor. We love him. He has a burden that only him and I know. That as you sit here today, encourage your pastor all the time, all right? Uh, It is my job to pick on him. It's your job to encourage him. And and I thank you for that. Do I do a good job? I need a new job. But I like it. Yeah. So in case you don't know, uh, Jay and I, he just said this. We've been friends almost five years. This is how it came about. I just want to tell you this real quick. When I got to the High Park Baptist Church, they absolutely were, here's the rule. If you're going to come and be the pastor here, you need to get outside of the church. You need to leave the property once in a while. And whatever went on there, I don't care about. You like that part? So the board told me the first thing I needed to do was meet Jay Cookingham and become his friend. So we did it, and I'm very glad that that was one of the rules of being there. And that isolationism thingy that was going on the kid fell down and went away, and I'm very glad of that. God bless you, brother. And in front of God and everybody, I love you. I do, I do. So we met at the restaurant, and I'm like, I don't even know what this dude looks like. And we, for 10 minutes, we stood there and stared at each other, and like, I wonder if that's him. I don't know. And Jay's like, I wonder if that's him. <laughs> Uh, but now we're friends. So I was just telling my wife, I wish I'd never met that guy. <laughs> Thank you for all your prayers for our church. Uh, obviously, the church went through an incredibly devastating time. And, but I want you to know that the church has gotten healthy. We thank you for your prayers. Continue to pray. Uh, it is a passion of mine, and I was a passion of your pastor, uh, that uh, we not just build a Baptist church or a community church in this area, but that we introduce people to Jesus Christ. And that's really what it's all about. And, uh, we, and our hearts are in tune with that. Uh, I can tell you that I've sent some people here, you know, like Dan Sloss. I didn't really like him. Please come here. <laughs> And I know that Jay sent me some, and I sent them back. (laughs) I'm just joking. Isn't God great? So in the body, there are a lot of different moving parts, and it takes a lot of parts to make the body really work well and healthy. And uh, and it doesn't take one building. One building can't contain all of that. Uh, Try, if you can, imagine putting the Holy Spirit into just one building. So there you have it. It's not going to happen. And I'm very thankful for this... uh, this congregation that you got right here. I, I really appreciate that. So now I'm thinking about preaching, if you don't mind. Alrighty. So Jay said that it, not to act like myself, and I realized that I can't do a handstand here or a cartwheel. And can you play that song, Don't Fence Me In? Here we go. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, go to Matthew chapter 5. There's a tremendous verse. It's about this long, but it says everything that we're going to talk about this morning. When you get to Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 20, let's stand for the reading of God's Word this morning. What a powerful word. Kind of ironic. We're, we're going to take a look at the book of Matthew this morning. The guy that's filling my pulpit over there, he's looking at the book of Matthew this morning. Uh, Brother Danish House is finishing up. 
in uh, Matthew chapter 5 this morning. So really, really cool. I guess God's got something to say to the church from Matthew chapter 5 this morning. And it says this, For I say to you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Father, this morning I praise your holy, holy name. Lord, I thank you for this congregation right here. The Bridge Builders Community Church in Hyde Park. Lord, I thank you for the love that we feel here this morning for you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that we very much feel the presence of. And Lord, I thank you for a time uh, to just come and to relax and to share God's word uh, with God's people. So I thank you for that this morning. Lord, as we exalt you with great remembrance that your word says if we will lift you up that you will draw all men unto thee. And I thank you for that this morning, Lord. Lord, as we look at the gospel of religion, uh, Lord, I pray that it will prick our hearts in some way. I pray that we can look at the person in the mirror and have a chuckle at the things that we think are so important that really are not important. Uh, Lord, the unity of the church is so important. Those who have put their faith and trust in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And this morning, Lord, uh, certainly as the word is divided, as it's handed out, that it be handed out with love. Lord, as we've come to feast upon the word this morning, may it nourish our very souls. And I pray for this, Lord, that we'll grow in it. And I thank you for that. Lord, be my lips, my voice, my tongue, so that all that comes from me this morning, Lord, it'll come from you. And that when all is said and done, that you and you alone will get the glory. And all of God's people will say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The gospel of religion is something that uh, excites me. I want to tell you this morning a little truth about myself, because I relax a little bit. Well, When you're not in your own church, you can tell the truth about yourself. What happens here stays here. I'm a very much, I'm very much um, an expository preacher, word for word and paragraph by paragraph. I'm not going to do that today. And I'm really, I'm really excited about it. Woo! Uh, so here it comes. Very topical. I'm never mentioning God's word again until we get to the end. Is that a good deal? I'm coming out of it, brother. <laughs> when Brother Jay first asked me to come and to speak on this topic, the gospel of religion, I got very excited. Uh, I grew up in a very religious environment, a very religious uh, type of atmosphere, and a very religious church. But this is my heartbeat for the church, and you didn't know that when you asked me, but it is. Um, here it comes, you ready? By faith we are saved, not by works. <laughs> by faith we entered the kingdom of God, not by works. Can I tell you something this morning that you already know, but I hope that you will say amen, that you will never do enough to get into heaven. But I was clearly taught that as a child and as growing up. We preach, come to Christ and be saved, not come to Christ and be shackled and burdened. The church can add so much weight to the cross. It can add so much weight to your life. You can drag it around forever. And then when you get to the very end, you know, there's nothing waiting for you. There's no kingdom there waiting. The cross is our only, uh, is only heavy when we stubbornly refuse to give the load, the burden, the cares, the pain, the sorrow to Jesus. That's when the cross is heavy. 
Faith in Jesus Christ is probably the most exciting thing that can ever happen to an individual. And I kid you not. If you are not excited about Jesus, come CJ after the service. If you're not excited about Jesus Christ, I ask you with all the love that I can muster this morning, why are you here? Why, who are you worshiping? When, all this, when will all this excitement wear off? Never. Say it with me, never. When will we grow tired of being a follower of the King? Never, man. Never. In case you haven't noticed, Jesus is my all in all. So the hard question, the hard question to ask this morning as we look in the mirror, is he your all in all? Is he everything to you? Is he on your mind continually, day and night? Does your life revolve around Jesus? What are we going to do today? I don't know. What would Jesus want us to do? That's what we learned in Sunday school. Does Jesus consume you and all that you are? Here's the next question. Is Jesus a religion for you or a relationship that is deep and wide and filled with the most extraordinary peace that the human heart and mind can ever experience? Is that Jesus? Or is Jesus when we stand and we sit and we bow and we light candles and we do these other things because you know what? Jesus. In the beginning, I don't know, Jay told you, but uh, generally when I'm asked to speak, and it's not very often, matter of fact, this is the first time, (laughs) that I like to go from the beginning of the Bible to the end, and we'll get through it sometime next week. So in the beginning is how God's Word begins. Can I tell you, it's how the Christian faith begins. In the beginning, and it tells us that there was an old life. There was an old Rick Murray. He was a nice guy. No, my wife says. Matter of fact, he was a mean, miserable son of a gun. And my wife feared me. My children feared me. But in the beginning is where we have to begin. A walk with Christ doesn't start at birth. It starts at the new birth. I was raised in a very religious style of church, which I shared with you. And you may see and you may think that I'm picking on the church across the street, but I'm really not this morning because the church that I was raised in actually did say Baptist on the sign. It really did. And I want to share a couple of things about this church. The church sang hymns. You like hymns? I like hymns. I really do. This church prayed. Can you imagine doing such a thing in church? This church read the scriptures from the pulpit. All sounds good, all looks good on the outside, and it really looks good to those who are onlookers. There's a religious group right there. There's a a religious group who does all these things. They sing hymns, they prayed, and they read the scriptures. Shame on them. Different things like this. Hope you uh, understand this. Be a good boy and go to church, is what we were taught. Be a good boy and go to church. Sit up straight, don't chew gum, and no laughing. Wear your best. Boy, I left that one. I have a picture to show you that your pastor sent me this morning. Ammunition, I call it. Wear your best, pay attention, and may I add, for the third time, Be good. Be good. 
There was so much emphasis put on the outside. You know, you got to get yourself cleaned up just before you come through the door, if you don't mind. Everyone was emphatically taught how to walk, talk, sit, uh, stand, sing, pray, and overall look like a Christian. The man that took my place in the last church that I was in was a friend of mine. And we met at the diner one day. Happens. Happens with pastors. Occasionally. And I had to buy that day too. Just saying. He told me that he grew up in a, in a church home. He grew up in a church home. His parents taught him how to stand up, how to sit down, how to pray, walk, sing, and look like a Christian. And in all of that excitement of of whatever was going on in that home, that religious home, his name is Phil, he says, you know what? I was the best looking Christian of all. He says, I could stand and sit and walk. He says, I felt like Jesus. He says, then I went off to Bible school and I got saved. You know, after all, we all know that Jesus is way more interested in how we look on the outside than how we really are on the inside. What a lie we're taught in the church. Praise God for a couple of people that came into my life. My grandmother and a man by the name of James Pittman, whom you're not going to meet until you get to heaven. My grandmother told me about the truth. She told me about the truth of Jesus that the church never taught me. James Pittman, he told me about the Romans road. All of sin and come short of the glory of God. I pray that everybody everywhere in this world, at some point in their life, will meet someone like my grandmother or someone like James Pittman, who will tell them the truth. Religion and legalism. So put your seatbelt on. Religion. Here it is from the Webster uh, Dictionary. And by the way, in case you don't know, my wife will confirm this. I send them words every week that I make up. None of them I've got in the dictionary. So if I do that this morning, take note. Send it to Webster's. A particular system of faith or worship. That's religion. A particular system. You like that word? Of religion, of faith or worship. Every church is a little bit different in style, creed, or theology. We noticed a, a difference here this morning. Because why? We come out of the Baptist faith. But one thing that we did know was the unity in Christ. And, the, and how you feel the Holy Spirit around you. Religion seems to focus on readings and acts of religious patterns repeated without meaning or purpose. Why do they do that? I have no idea. We've never been told. I've come to this church 40 years. I don't know why they do that. At that time, every time, every Sunday. Everyone pause a moment as little Johnny lights the candles. Isn't he cute? I feel so spiritual. Let's stand as Susie reads the creed of the week or the creed of the season. Oh, she's cute. And I feel so spiritual. Religion leads to empty worship. Empty worship. We ask as followers of Christ, we're asked to worship in spirit and truth. Well, what does that even mean? We're asked to to come and worship this, this God. And as we do it, that we would do it in spirit and truth. 
Can I tell you that we're not spirit, but God is spirit, and He has the Holy Spirit, so we're going to come and we're going to worship in spirit, His spirit. What is the truth? Jesus. So who are we coming to worship in spirit and truth? Well, we're coming to worship as the Holy Spirit leads us, Jesus. And I love that. But religion makes us worship, as Paul noticed in Athens, to an unknown God. You know, and he must have stood there and saw that little monument, that little altar set up, and he must have chuckled deep inside. You know, you're like the people I just left in Jerusalem. You're like the people that I, that I met along the way. You worship, but you don't know what. I blame it a lot on the church that we don't explain who it is that we were really worshiping. So come and worship the pew. You know, come and, come and worship the carpet. We went through that in Canada. Whew. Don't get me started. We're asked to draw close. Come, Holy Spirit. We're asked to draw close, and I ask my, from my heart this morning, close to what? Close to what? I do, but one religious act each and every day of my life. Don't get nervous. I eat an orange. Every single day of my life, for the last few years, I've taken the time to religiously, almost at the same time of the day, to eat an orange. It has kept me from having colds for years. Thank you, Jesus. All praise the orange God. (laughs) Religion brings legalism. And it's one of the things that just absolutely torments my heart. It torments my heart to see legalism. When we truly do not know who or what it is that we're worshiping and serving and praying to, we start making up our own rules. When we don't really know the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, we start making up our own rules. And we think it's awesome. Praise the rules. Listen to this. Tell me if you've ever heard this before. Three songs offering one song, the message, and we're out of here in an hour. So now I'm going to add what I told you earlier. The zipper ending. It is 12 noon, Pastor. Zip. And we zip our Bibles up. And we're done with God. And we're done with worshiping. And we're out of here. Let's go to Cranberries. Three rigid evangelistic services a week. And I'm telling you right now, do not miss any of them or they'll be hell to pay. Legalism does this. It brings separation. Legalism separates you from having a tremendous uh, relationship with God. But he'll love me more if I do this. Really, where's that in the Bible? Point that one out to me. It's not, good. it's not a good way to draw close to God's people. It's not a good way to draw close to God. Legalism. Legalism will draw you close to a click. So you're in a church and you got legalism, and then you, there you are, and you got this click and that click and the click over here. So Jay and I, we belong to the pastor click. Now to talk with us, you got to be in the click. 
Thursday at Marlowe's church, we're going to have a click. Of course, I'm making fun. Clicks ruin churches. I think it's what really, really affected horribly the church in which I pastor now. It leaves scars deeper than you can ever imagine. This legalism. Look how she's dressed today. My God, what an abomination that dress is. So I looked at Jay and I said, look what she's wearing. And Jay says under his breath, but just so I can hear, I think it's the tablecloth from my mother's table. White shoes before Easter. Look who he's talking to. It's Fred. I hope nobody hears the name Fred. (laughs) We should have talked. Look who he's talking to. It's Fred. You all remember what Fred did three years ago at the Christmas service, right? Got in the communion line. So hear my heart. Clicks ruin churches. They ruin it because of legalism. They tear down. They never, ever build up. They never build up. Let's have a Bible study. We'll have it at my house, but we're only going to invite these six people. There is never a time when you can relax. There's never a time when you seem like the the spirit is not being quenched in your walk with God. Legalism, religion, and salvation. To be legalistic is a state in which salvation cannot exist. Try me on it. I played that game. Simply put, you can't be saved and be filled with the Holy Spirit and be legalistic. Four years ago, I shouted from the pulpit at the High Park Baptist Church, I hate legalism. It's now been four and a half years, but, you know, it's been a week since I wrote this. I hate legalism. Did you hear me? I hate it because it tears down and it ruins a church. It tears a church apart. Since the day Karen and I have taken the, uh, on the uh, reins of the High Park Baptist Church, we have lugged big sticks and we have beat it out of our church. We have literally beat it out of our church because we don't like it. And in Jesus' name, we told it to never come back. Brother Jay and I, we prayed for this legalistic wall of isolationism to be torn down that was built around the church, and praise God, it has collapsed. And I'm living proof because I'm here today. You will be friends with Jay. That's in Second Samuel. <laughs> if you are truly saved, you've been set free, my friend. If you are truly saved, you've been set free. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. You do not need a bunch of rules to follow. You need a, the power of the indwelling spirit of God to lead and to guide and direct your steps and to walk. Uh, in this personal walk and this personal relationship with the one and only true and living God. And his name is Jesus Christ. That's what you need. Legalism as a religion. Sadly, everybody go, huh. Oh. Sadly, some need this style of worship. 
We know that as pastors and we see it. It breaks our hearts. And the harder you try to point it out with love, the more they don't see it. Sometimes it's hard to get people lost so that you can get them saved. Sadly, some people need this style of worship. They really do. Sadly, some have nothing without this legalistic style of following Christ. A fake interpretation of a gospel they don't really know and they don't really believe. One night, Karen and I were at a special church service in Holmesville, New Brunswick, Canada, which is where we spent four years of our uh, uh, wonderful ministry. We love those people. We miss those people. I talked to a guy yesterday, so i got to tell you a joke now or I can't move on. His name is Arthur. He stands about six foot six. He's a big man. I don't think he is now because he's getting a little bit, how did you put it, um, many years of service. And Arthur is a wonderful guy. He has about a third grade education, but man, does he love Jesus. You shake his hand, his hand, like my hand, his hand, and he'd shake your hand, and it would be like Bam Bam shaking Fred Flintstones, and he would lift you off the floor. The only problem with him is that his voice was this high. So when I first met Arthur, I was like, oh, my Lord. He's like a mountain of a man, and his voice is like, hello. So one day, I couldn't get the weed whacker to start, and I was kind of weed whacking around the church there, and Arthur pulled in, and I'm like, he's the dude that can start this. So Arthur jumps out of his old pickup truck. He walks over to me. He's like, what's the matter, Pastor? I said, the, the weed whacker won't start. you got to pull the choke all the way out. <laughs> so I talked to Arthur on the phone yesterday from New Brunswick, Canada, and he's doing well. So Karen and I were sitting in this church service. It was a little stuffy, and it had nothing to do with the heat. You know what I mean? And we were sitting there. And the pastor got up to preach. Guest speaker, ever have one? Like every other week? The guest speaker was so pious and he was so highbrow, he was so rigid and groomed. And when he began to speak, it dawned on me that he didn't even believe what he was talking about. And I saw it from the, from the, from the, uh, what do you call it? The congregation. It's where I never get to sit. I looked at my wife and she looked at me and I said, He doesn't believe a word he's saying. Come to Christ and be saved. Come before it's too late. And he stood there and I was like, wow. I was not revived. (laughs) People who practice legalism or religion as some form or some style of worship are not really saved. They're not truly saved. They do not know who this, this God is. It's a false religion. It's a false doctrine that must be dealt with firmly and yet with love. I want to tell you this morning, and I was thinking about it. Uh, I've been thinking about it all week. I've been thinking about it for a month, to be honest with you. There's so much more that we could say about the gospel of religion. There's hours that we could talk about. We need to do a seminar and invite the church to come. All the church. Our religion never deals with real issues. So I don't know if you know this or not, but we do have a counseling center at the church and we deal with things that are painful and hard. We deal with divorce and drugs and 
prostitution, name it, Karen. I mean, on and on. Hard, hard things that we deal with. And we, these people come in and, you know, if you'll say a few Hail Marys, you'll be fine. That's what religion tells you. Do X amount of penance. You know, so I got a good one. I thought of it this morning. I'm going to recite the national anthem while spinning counterclockwise on the east side of my house. Because that's religion. Read the creed about six times out loud and then sit down. Religion's not a relationship with the living God. It's not. And as we go through religion and we do all these things, we do it in such a way that we don't know God. One time my mother was introducing me to somebody I had never met before. And she said this, this is my son who is very religious. And I looked at my mother and I said, Mom, I'm not religious. I just need to tell you that. What do you mean? So it's very, it's a heartache to not know the difference. Religion is not a relationship with the living God. Religion has done some irreversible damage to many, many souls. And the, the church is responsible for that. Religion is about control and bondage. But my Bible says that when you're free in me, that you're free indeed. And I praise God that he set me free. Relationship is all about this. Freedom. Freedom to be Rick Murray. Freedom to be Jay Cookingham. Though he did come to me the other day and said a couple of things. I want to encourage everyone here today to grasp the incredible truth that we are forgiven. That no matter how religious you try to act or how religious you try to get, that you cannot pay for that. It's free. It was paid on the cross of Calvary. There's no amount of work that can buy that. There's uh, no amount of work that we can do to be loved more by the King. I want to give you the absolute truth about verse 20. Jesus says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, that you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. He says, your righteousness. Jesus says it. I read it right here. Our righteousness is as what? Filthy rags. So here it comes. I'm going to tell you how to do this. Fail safe. Do you like that? You cannot fail if you do this as a Christian. Chapter 6 and verse 33. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto you. You want to know what you need? Peace. You need the peace that surpasses all understanding. Seek God's righteousness, not your own. You want to know what else you need? A good cup of coffee. (laughs) Father, this morning I thank you for the peace that you bring when we seek your, your righteousness. Lord Jesus gave the incredible, incredible verse that tells us clearly that we must be Our righteousness must exceed the religious leaders. Our our righteousness has got to be better than the world. So Lord, you came, you suffered, you bled, and you died, and you did it for a wretch like me. 
so that I would seek your righteousness. And then the peace that comes from that to know that one day I will walk into the kingdom of heaven. I thank you for that. Lord, as the body, as the church, I pray that we will stop preaching religion. I pray that we'll stop pushing religion. And that we'll preach and teach and push Jesus Christ. And Lord, today I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you again for Bridge Builders Church and the likeness of mind that we have. And Lord, as uh, we endeavor here as bodies of Christ, that we won't push our church, our name, our brand, but we'll push Jesus Christ. And I thank you for that. And Lord, I ask all these things in your precious and your holy name, the name that's above all names, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Amen.